What's up, y'all? This is Tony Powell, and you're listening to Powell to the People, a podcast, episode 181. Once again, the finest cast in the whole podcasting universe is reconvened. When I want to know what's going on with the New York City transit scene, there's no expert I trust more than my cousin, Mr. Keith Powell. What's going on, Keith? Man, I'm good. How y'all guys feeling today? Real good. And when I want to talk local TV news, there's nobody I trust more than my favorite director, my brother, Mr. Mark Powell's in the house. What's going on, Mark? What's up, fam? What's up, world? And when I want to talk New York City real estate, which is on fire right now, there's nobody I trust more <laughs> than my favorite real estate expert, uh, the guy I call Mr. Eddie Kane Jr. The world knows him as Derek Powell. I call him my cousin. What's going on, DP? Everything is good. Always good to be in the cypher with the cats. How you guys doing? Good. Ah, we're, we're, we're well. I mean, um, this is the, I guess, the day in New York City, uh, mass mandates, I, I guess probably in the state, mass mandates have been lifted uh, for pretty much everywhere except for the, the places where it's still mandated by the Fed, like the uh, down, downstairs in the, in the trains or on the buses. Uh, but pretty much anywhere you want to go in New York City, it's, it's, it's uh, no longer mandatory. I mean, people are still wearing them because, uh, you know, I, I, I want to give New York, you know what? Let me give New Yorkers a big round of applause, big shout out for all the New Yorkers, because I noticed that today as I'm out in the streets, New Yorkers are still wearing their masks in, in large numbers. Now, I don't know what's going on out there in the burbs, but right here in the city, New Yorkers are still reticent to take these masks off, even though it's no longer mandated. Um, so, I, I, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm impressed, impressed by it. When you're outside you the streets, you're saying they're wearing a mask? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I'm seeing people, I mean, literally, as they walk the streets of the city, well, still have their masks on. Like well, I said I, before. I, Go ahead, I, think that's two, I think that's twofold. The, fir- the first thing is, you know, as brothers, we were like, nah, man, you ain't tricking me with this nonsense. Get me to take my masks off and I mess around and get that thing. And then in the city, crime is high, man. The stick up kids, man, they going to keep the masks on as long as they can. Because they bad, <laughs> you know, shoot. So why they going to take the mask and the, you want me to take off the mask and the hoodie? Nah, man, we got some more work to do. That's just my personal opinion. But in the burbs, you know, we we ain't been, they haven't been, I've always kept my mask on. They haven't wore masks up here in a while, though, man. Folks is just like, yo, I got my vaccination. I got my booster. Y'all said I'm safe. I'm safe. And they go about business as usual, man. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, you know, you live up in uh, Westchester. And, um, Everybody don't uh, need to know where I'm at, man. You know, there's some haters I, out there. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> An undisclosed location. In like, oh. You know, so, some of the things I just said on this podcast. Man, you, <laughs> you try to get, you really try to get me off this show, huh? You try to get me killed, man. I moved, y'all. That'll, that'll, I moved. That, that'll teach you a lesson for trying to bring up my my personal life every time you get a chance. <laughs> Oh, well, and my brother's out there in in, in uh, Long Island in parts unknown, uh, you know, an undisclosed location. So yeah, I mean, it's it, I know for, from going out to Long Island, it's definitely true out in Long Island that I, you know people are just kind of you know mask averse and they 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 they're not really really into wearing them when they don't have to, and they've been kind of you know playing wild and loose with them for a long time. But in the city, I just I just found it fascinating the day that. You know, on the day that the mask mandate is lifted, young people, I see kids on their way to schools, they have their mask on. I saw, you know, people, you know, just everybody seems to be having a mask. I mean, I knew, like, when you get on a bus or you get on, on public transportation, you have to wear it. Or if you, you know, if you, any travel, any, any public transportation, you know, whether it's the airlines or, or, or uh, municipal city transit, you have to wear a mask. But people are just, I mean, you know, without being prompted. I mean, there's always been some some knuckleheads. Uh, who don't, you know, want to wear them or who, who make a point of not wearing a mask when they get on the train. But for the most part, I would say percentage-wise, probably by over over 85% of the people were wearing masks today. Yeah, and they're not falling for that uh, Jedi mind trick, you know. They should have did it before when they was making the mask mandate and more people were wearing masks. I That's asked you guys a question. How long do you... Um plan on wearing a mask like uh at what point will you say you know i'm not wearing anymore forever well for me what i do is like um if i'm walking and uh i'm still i still put it on if i go into a store but if i'm out in the open and it's just fresh air and i'm moving and grooving i take it off but you know right now you know if i you know like the diner i go to 
um, I take it off, but they still got up the um, what is it, the plexiglass, you know, that separates you between the booths and stuff like that. Right, right. right. So I'm I'm comfortable there. But if the the workers got on their mask, I just can't take mine off because it's like they know something I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, so, I don't care because they they take down that magic marker sign saying mask are required. I don't mean nothing to me when I walk in there when the lady sit me down if she mask up, I'm mask up. She knows okay. something I don't know. All right, so I'm gonna assume based on you saying so you go out to eat at a restaurant and you obviously uh, uh, okay. So you're one of those people who believe that the magical force of the uh, cone of silence from Get Smart, once you take that mask off to eat, suddenly no virus can possibly get to you. Well, it's it's not. Just it's, that, not it's like there's like a food force field that doesn't allow to get to you. <laughs> you believe think, that BS. You're that simple that you believe that. I think with me, it's like Linus in his blanket right now where that blanket was always comfortable for him. Okay, the at mask, least that's the, rational. Right. The, the, right now, when I take my wallet and my keys, I take a fresh mask with me. That's just, remember, this is going on for two years. And no, no, okay, just, so yours is more habit for me. It's just more like you've got Yeah, yeah that's all it is. It's you, just don't, a habit. you don't believe that thing that, oh, while, I got, while I'm sitting here, the, the food oh, inhibits. Nah, of course okay. not. You know, of course the, not. Some people, I think, believe that, you know, that while I'm even for this moment in time, there's no way a virus could possibly enter me, but no. you know, Okay, uh, and and also like yeah. you said something else that's sensible, which I I've always believed in. If you're out and about and you're out in the fresh air, you don't need to wear a no mask. Man. I know part of it yeah. is part of it is quite frankly, I mean, today was a nice day and uh, yesterday, but you know we went from thirty degree day, so part of that mask was like is almost a a, a weather mask too. I mean, some of the winds, some of those winds coming off the uh, <laughs> the water. Well, have you have a mask on? So it's sort of like, especially the times I travel. Um, so I, I get that. And then my building still requires me to wear. But if I'm soon as I leave the building, I, I don't have a mask on, but we have to wear it inside the building. And when I'm out and about around my house, I mean, not my house, but like you know, where I live on the island, I don't I don't wear it. I just, you know, I, I, I'm not. I, I've done, like I said before on a previous podcast, I've done all the work. I've done all the precautions and you guys know that you know i play ball on a regular basis so i'm just gonna like you know what if it happens it happens and i'll just deal with it at this point because i refuse to spend the rest of my life with a mask now i'll but i'll i'm a law abiding if they issue another mask uh mandate then i'll put the mask on but if there's no mask mandate i'm not wearing it you know i i have mixed emotions about it because on on one level I, as as both of you just stated when i'm out in the street I, I, as soon as I, you know, I, I, I take my mask off. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. walking up and down okay, the street. Yeah, I'm yeah, going, yeah, yeah. you know, in the neighborhood. I'm not wearing a mask, you know, as I'm outside in the street. That's understandable. Uh, obviously, as I just stated, when you're on public transportation, if I go down to the subway, yeah, then I, I you know, I pull my mask on. That's required by law, right? Right. It's the law. Law abiding. Uh, and, and I take it off as soon as I get out of the subway. So that's, that's what I think. But I will say this. I think going forward, even when it's no longer mandatory, I might still wear that mask because you know what I haven't had? I haven't had a cold yeah. in forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there is some benefit to wearing it. And I, you know, I used to see the people like, you know, you see people in Asian countries, they're constantly wearing their mask in public. You know, when, you know, I mean, in Japan, it's, it's, well, it's cultural it's, and courtesy. Uh, right. yeah, they, they do it to, right. Right. It's courtesy, right. to avoid giving the cold to their fellow citizen. You know, they actually are, mm. you know, helping one another out. So it's funny because for years until, you know, until COVID, you see somebody wearing a mask and who was a, you know, Asian and you go, it's in the States, you go, what do you got? But they were actually doing the courteous thing unbeknownst to us because that's not our culture. They go, oh, I, I have a cold. I don't want to by chance give you a cold. So I'm going to out quarantine myself. If that makes any sense. And they've always done that as, as a, as a courtesy to a fellow man. So now, yeah, we've gone through a stretch of reduced COVID, and I'm pretty sure cold and and the common flu has probably been reduced greatly too, because the mass and the the distance is the one thing. Yeah, and and the you know people not hand cleaning, the, the constant hand so sanitizing, the hand cleaning, the hand washing. Especially because right. especially you know it's probably been a good thing for and you feel bad for them, is the the little little kids you know those snot snot wrangler, yeah. <laughs> wranglers oh. because they've been taught their whole life. 
you know, and the, the, you know, kids, especially little kids, like kindergarten, those third, fourth, you know, first, second grade grades, they just a walking virus. But because of this, their parents have been dribbling ahead, you know, sanitizer, wash your hands. Man. So they will finally not come home with those colds because I'm pretty sure it happens like every year. You when the kids first go back to school, like that first couple of weeks, everybody in the house is sick because the kids are running up and running up on yeah, everybody. No, they, yeah, they bring yeah, they bring yeah. I remember when I was, you know, when I was teaching, I mean, it, it was horrible. I mean, I mean, uh like horrible. I mean, constantly, you know, I mean, every year I could count on being yep, being, like, oh, okay, here being sick, sick <laughs> as, as, as three dogs. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so it, it, it's it's I say all that to say that, you know, today was an interesting day. I think you brought it up, Mark. Yeah, it's springtime. Yes, yeah, summer yeah. today. Well, it's I mean, it's it's the first week of March, and it was damn near seventy degrees in New York City, um, which which freaks me out. It really does. I mean, you know, because a couple of days ago was I was not. bundled up, and then you know today, you know, I can't take my clothes off fast enough. Here's the crazy. I I get up, go to work at I'll give it one thirty in the morning. I come out of my house. It's fifty degrees. <laughs> like, what the heck? I'm, I'm, I had a cold. I'm going. Wait, I don't have to wear gloves and hat. I I didn't have I didn't have heat on my car. Driving. I haven't had that. I don't know how long because I did, what? But Tuesday, Thursday, I was like, damn, that wind's cold. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, I mean, it's it's yeah. I, so I, I I guess you know signs of spring are coming. Signs of of of, of change are coming. Yeah, um, so maybe that's a good sign. I mean, this this has been such a <laughs> a weird winter. Uh, now we're heading into what's going to be, I'm sure, a very curious spring. Oh my god! Um, we've been talking about this war in the Ukraine and Putin's war uh, for the last couple of weeks, and I and I. You know, Keith said something to us that uh, you know it kind of got my goat, and I, I just want to—I'm going to—I'm going to bring it up and talk about it. Um, as people were trying to to leave the country, civilians were trying to leave the country. Women, uh, women, uh, and children, and the elderly were trying to leave the country. Uh, there were a lot of students. You know, um, you know, we live in New York City. I live in New York City. Uh, we all—we all grew up here. And New York City is home to many, many colleges and universities. And so people come from all over the world to study here. And after they study and they graduate, a lot of times they, they stay, they live, you know, they live in the same area. And, you know, if you go to any college town anywhere in America, uh, one of my favorite college towns is, is or college areas is the Triangle down in North Carolina, where you have uh, Raleigh oh, yeah. and you have North Carolina State and you have Chapel Hill and you have UNC and then and Duke is uh, in Durham and they're all within maybe 15 miles of each other. These three major universities are all clustered together. You have this community and, and the people that live in the area, these people go to school and everybody that goes, that lives in the area, they work to support those schools. And a lot of times those people settle in the area after they graduate. So it it, it, it stands to reason you're going to have more of an international flavor, more of a, of a, of a you know, multinational flavor in these in these types of places. Ukraine apparently, and I didn't know this was was a magnet for some African students, students of color, people of color who come to the Ukraine because it's a European city, it's a European capital. Go to Kiev uh, to study, and you know, study medicine, study whatever they're going to study, and um, you know, just like everybody else, when the war hit, they wanted to get out, but when they tried to leave Ukraine and go to the border countries like Poland and 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 uh, Latvia and the other other countries that border Ukraine, they were held up, jacked up, treated like treated like crap because um, in these predominantly white countries, they were not feeling these African brothers and sisters trying to get up on out of there. And I want to say this in this regard: we're spending a lot of time and a lot of effort trying to support the people of Ukraine. And I do support the people of Ukraine, but I, I want this to be known. You know, in America, we, we, you know, we're always trying to sell and ship democracy across the world, right? That's our big thing. We want to sell democracy across the world. This is the greatest uh, form of government ever, and everybody should do it. And in this country right now, they're making every effort possible to deny us the right to vote, to deny us democracy right here in America. Mm -hmm. But I'm supposed to feel uh, some kind of way 
about the people in Ukraine. And I got to say this. I felt a little funky watching not only the, these other governments, the Polish government, Latvian government, all these governments who denied these, these people of color access into their countries. They're refugees just like everybody else. Denied them access to their countries. I felt a little funky because I, I felt like, you know, Ukrainian people should have been behind them and been, been saying, yo, wait a second. We're all Ukrainian. We're all this. We're all that. We support these people. But they didn't. They, I don't feel they got that support. You know, it, it's funny. I'm supposed to feel bad for refugees when they're white, but I'm supposed to be OK when you shit on refugees when they're people of color. You know, America is, is and you talked about it last week, Mark, about the Mexican invasion, Fox News. And Newsmax and OWN and all these, not OWN, uh, the OAN, um, has made their bones shitting on people from Central and South America, uh, talking about the invasion and everything else. Um, I'm, 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 you know, those people that they came over the border, the southern border of the United States, those people are, are, are trying to escape the exact same thing the people in Ukraine are trying to escape. They're trying to escape violence. And war, it's not necessarily two countries going at war, but certainly a narco war creates just as much havoc on people's lives as, as, as Russian tanks create on the lives of the Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little I'm a little peeved about the 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 way these 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 African students were treated. I don't know about y'all. I, I, that's, that's that's all I want to say about it. Well, well Anthony, for, for me personally, you know, oh sorry, Keith. Okay, you just going to jump right on the man's point. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's been doing this from the time we got on 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 the podcast. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. What's going on? This is this just disrespectful, But you know, <laughs> this has been going on for years, Anthony, uh, with refugees from uh, Africa and other places. When they try to come to these other countries, they are turned away, and and, and just I, I think it's based on the the color of their skin and who they are. And they're not, right. they're not treated fairly, which we all should be treated fairly, especially in a time where there's war-stricken countries and these people are trying to escape just like anybody else. They want a chance. They want to be in a place where they can feel safer. But when you turn them away and send them back to these countries, they, they either murder or, or force into these armies to fight. And it's not fair for them. And then for the kids, they lose parents, family members on, on the same plane. As with those um, Ukrainians, they had that opportunity to go to different countries. Um, I think when it was trying to get into Hungary, they, they wouldn't let them in. They said that we don't take those type of people. But if it's, if it's fear for everybody, it should be fear for people of color, brown skin, whatever. It's fear for everybody. That's, that's being fear. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. Go ahead, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I wasn't surprised. Um, I was not surprised at all. Neither um, were. Right. Thank you, thank you, because uh, it's it's this is this is universal with how with with the way people feel about people of color. You know, so it didn't surprise me. What surprised me was that it was it was enough of us over there that we had to escape because my deal was like, well, what, what are you doing over there? You know, you, you need to know better. There's like certain, and I, I'm not, you know, seriously, there's certain places you're just not going to go. You know, back in the eighties, you know, no offense. We were not rolling in Bensonhurst and we was not rolling in Babish. It just was like, you know, it wasn't a good look, you know, early eighties, you know, that's an ass whooping, you know, better than that. You need to get out of there before it's dark. You're going over to that country and to, you know, study medicine and help out humanity. I get it. But you also got a way on the other side. If things go left, you need to understand you're not a priority. You're good there because you can help them. But right now, the only way you can help them is fighting against Putin. Then you need to stay. They say, well, stay here and fight against Putin because you're already helping. But I was not surprised one bit. I didn't raise an eyebrow, bat an eye. That's the way I, I... I just said that's that's just the way things are, which is wrong, but that's just the way things are. Well, no, I, I mean, you, you, go ahead. No, I didn't know until you said earlier that um, that, that so Kiev slash Ukraine is is sort of like a, I guess Kiev is sort of like a college town environment. Well, it's it's not so much a college town. I, I, I made the, I made the, the macro point, but there are people. It's a major European capital, and so and, as in many major capitals, there's universities. And people from all over the world go get in where they can get in 
uh, I don't know who in Nigeria is applying to go to, to the University of Key Medical School. I, you know, I, I wouldn't be my, me, but I mean, obviously, uh, you know, they, they get the brochures and that's where they go. Um, so, yeah, it's not necessarily a college town, but it's, it's a major European capital. And, that's, it's, and I'm sure if you went to Paris, there's a major university yeah, there, there's a major university in you know, London, any any major uh, European capital is going to have a, a university. Yeah, fine, Maybe I because mean, it wasn't was, expensive, Mark. Maybe it wasn't expensive well, for them. I, I would assume it. I mean, I, yeah, I, like, you know, London, you know, uh, Paris, uh those places, you know, I, I get because we knew about them. But quite frankly, and other than um, some basketball players and until Putin said so, we didn't know anything about Ukraine or Kiev. I mean, uh, so it was like now we're learning, you know, a little bit more about it. So I had no idea of what it really was. And I still, maybe I'm ignorant, don't know what the hell the war is about. So when you're saying like when I saw the students trying to get out and they'd be turned away at the board, I'm like, I thought the same thing, like, Damn, what are you doing here? Like, you know, what brought you there? But, okay, on a soft hand, we... Yeah, it's not like any, any, any African person's trying to settle down in Poland. <laughs> yeah, man. Or, yeah, or too cold, I mean, too cold there, too cold for us. Yeah, I mean, you come from, you come from Nigeria, and you go, I mean, you, you, you're dealing with enough just living in Ukraine as cold as it is. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and trying to, try to find food that you like. I, you know, I, I, you know, for the longest time, by the way, I've been calling it Chicken Kiev, only to find out recently that it's Chicken Kiev. Okay, uh, so <laughs> I don't know what, that is. what is that? Me, I have no Chicken Kiev. Chicken, Ki- chicken Kiev. Never heard of that. No. Oh yeah, it's it like chicken. But... I know that. No, it's not. It's definitely not. It's definitely not popular. It's delicious. It's, it's not bad. Uh, you know um, what is it? Never heard that before. It's rolled around. I think it's uh, like a buttery something in the middle. Huh? Uh, but it's it's just tasty. Never heard of it. Uh, but it's Chicken Kiev. Look much international Kiev. over here. I'm just saying, man. I, you know, get around. Like, <laughs> Boy, Tory over here, world traveler with these fancy words and stuff. We like <laughs> what we want is the two piece. He's having some special <laughs> <laughs> with a biscuit. With a biscuit, yeah. Right. There's some like, cold yeah, stuff. We got you know. We turn around and Mister Hody Toity over here is ordering all kinds of fancy stuff. <laughs> I'm just saying, picking up drinking. I can't. I cannot help it if I'm cultured. Well, I can't well, help it. Guys, I think we want, we're going to have a rough time, I guess, when we go back to Amy Roof. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Shout out to Amy Roof in case y'all want to sponsor. Uh, you know, did shout you out. You owe us one now. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, it, it is it is, it is is kind of uh, sickening in, the, in that regard. As I said, you know, the United States and all of a sudden everybody's like, you know, uh, you know, uh, we we're all Ukraine. No, we're not, because right here in this country, I can't go vote the way I need to vote. You're trying to deny me the right to vote. You're trying to steal the ballot away from me. You don't want to give me democracy, but you damn sure want to export it. Mm. Why can't I have it? Wow. That's so that's uh, you know, I, I, yeah, it's, it's it's real talk. And as I said, you know, if we if we're gonna sit here and and be in love and all all empathetic and be concerned about Ukrainian refugees. I don't want to hear another goddamn word about anybody from Central and South America coming here trying to escape the same bullshit. You should show them the same love that you show people halfway around the world. You're right. That's all. Yes, yes. Think of those poor that's Mexicans it. running from them gun-torn countries. Yeah, I mean that's that. I mean, if you're if you're escaping a narco war, you're escaping the same thing that these people are trying to escape. You know, we we had all kinds of of, of compassion for the people in Afghanistan. We had all kinds of compassion for the people who were in the Balkans when the, the Bosnian, Bosnian Serb war was going on, Kosovo. We had all kinds of compassion for those people. But suddenly, you know, people who literally, you know, we, we moved the borderline over them. They were already here. Right. I think Mark said it last week. You know, all, all of, if you look at America, there's a lot of Spanish named places. <laughs> San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles, <laughs> you know, Santa Fe. Colorado, Montana, Montana, Florida, all these Spanish named places. These people were here before we got here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for us to be able to to not want to be like, you know, listen, you know what? We are, you know, we understand your plight, especially when they're coming from these war tones. And 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 then to have people suddenly, you know, you know, start trying to, you know, act tough on the border and act tough about immigration um, because other people are, are, are offended by it. You know what? There's nobody living in in the aforementioned Montana. There's nobody there. There's about there's a couple of million people there. So that means there's plenty of room 
for people to come and live if they want to live up in there. Well, there's plenty of room in fucking Wyoming if they want to come and live in Wyoming. There's plenty of room in, in Idaho and all these places where they got two senators and no damn people. So, you know what? I, I, I'm sorry. You know, if we're going to be exporting democracy, let's import it our damn selves. One, one of my favorite all time jokes is a shout out to Bobcat Goldthwaite, comedian, who said, uh, when people would say, if you're going to come to this can't. If you're gonna to come to this country, you better learn the language. And he, his retort was, "Gee, that is, gee, that doesn't sound like Cherokee to me." <laughs> <laughs> All time great joke because it's like, yeah, that's oh, that's that's it. This is the truth. It, yeah, I America's mean, America's greatest country, but stole is, is another follow up to that line. No. So that that's where we are. Uh, moving on, um, your boy. Uh, well, it's a couple of people that, that yeah, you, you really like, down. Derek. It's Bill Cosby, <laughs> who you were defending up until recently. Uh, <laughs> uh, apparently, the Supreme Court is is going to uphold his overturned conviction, Great. and it's 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 horrible on the merits because of all the people that he that he harmed, um, including uh, Ms. Constant. All the people that he harmed, you know that 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 that. That is overturned, and they can't be tried for it again. What's happening? Unfortunately, sadly, even though it's the worst possible decision, it was the correct legal decision. That's the part that because that's the yeah that's the that's the part that that people have to understand. That's the correct legal decision. I'm not talking about the moral decision. It was the correct legal decision because uh, he was convicted, but he had a plea deal where he was given immunity for his testimony, and then they reneged on his testimony and that's how he got out and so when the supreme court saw it i mean they, all they could do you can't you can't retry him and you can't have double jeopardy so this asshole walks what i wish because you want that you know that that uh clint eastwood vengeance I'm not saying you want him killed but the person who the initial da that's kind of what you're saying yeah, well, no, <laughs> not, not, not cosby because well not cosby i, I want him in jail i want him uh, prosecuted but the problem that really happens with something like that is somebody else, the previous DA who gave him that ridiculous sugar deal that the next DA said, what are you, what are you talking about? You can't do this. That guy, I hope, never works again. I mean, you can't prosecute him for doing his job, but you can make him unemployed by saying, listen, you're never going to be able to, you could disbar him. You're never going to be able to practice law again because that that is reckless. That is ridiculously reckless that that guy said to Cosby with this file of all of, of the files that he had on Cosby was overwhelming, let alone all the people who just said, you know what? I ain't going to say a thing. I'm just going to keep this quiet between me and Cosby. I don't want to be out there. So if a third, if, you know, if a hundred come forward, triple that number, you know, there's many more who just said, you know what? It happened yeah. to me. I'm not going to say a thing. I don't want to have, I, I saw what a happened. man has been doing it since the six. Yes. So you're talking about 50 years worth of rape. So yeah, he, like, oh, like, like another shout out to another comedian, Chappelle said, he's a Steph Curry of rapes. He's putting up some real numbers. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, you know uh, hold on for a second. You know, you know, the supervisor, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. I've went to the supervisor's show and he does an incredible Cosby. This is not something somebody told me. Oh, he's been doing it since the 60s. Well, you shouldn't have been imitating him when I went to the show in the 80s, man. Come on <laughs> now, man. Are you you up there doing the faces, shaking, doing the jello, putting joke and all that. It was ha ha ha, <laughs> he he he. You took that money for that check, didn't you? We all were bamboozled. So let's just act that's like, you know, that's we were bamboozled. But the supervisor's trying to act like, oh, holy and mighty. And how dare he was doing it since the 60s. Damn him. Let's stone him to death. Nah, man. He got over. He won on a technicality. Yeah. I'm off the bandwagon to all of our fans. I got shook with the show. I'm gone. Ain't <laughs> never. Now, Kanye and R, I will listen to your music. This guy here, he comes on my TV. It's, it, the TV will, will shut down automatically. Yeah. I, I just can't get past that, that, that those interviews. It's, I'm gone. I'm gone, man. So he's yeah. not my boy. Hey, I'm saying, well, how, you, how you making the distinction between Cosby and Rocky? <laughs> you know what, Derek? I'm with you because I do, the same with, I do the same thing with Michael Jackson's music. I know right. what he did. And I'm not saying I'm implying this log logically. It's just strictly a, an emotion like, oh, yeah, some Kanye song comes on. I may listen to it. So Michael comes on. I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. But the Kaiser show comes on or his stand-ups, I'm like, 
damn, yeah, I can't, I can't watch it. I can't, and I have it. no rational justification for the way I feel. It's just my own little warped sense of uh, how I'm going to balance it out. And and I should, if I'm true to, to form, I should be, you know, he should be just, you know, those three guys should be just as out as, as Cosby is. But for whatever reason, in my mind, well, I can. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why the Off the Wall album. The Chocolate Factory album, and <laughs> <laughs> you you can't. And Kanye, even though he wants to keep beat Davis's ass, the guy's a musical genius. You got to give the guys props. You know, you got to give him props. Think. And and, and that's talent. what happens with those guys. And then remember, you know, Kanye, he didn't do no rapes. Michael is questionable. Hey. R. Kelly, wait. <laughs> I still like to listen to eight. I like to listen to Stop the Love You Say. If it comes on right now, I'm listening to it. God damn it. I don't care. And, I then, to it. and then it wasn't R. Kelly like for he was like with the exception of Aaliyah that we know about, wasn't they 17 and a half turned in 18? No, 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 no. He was hanging out at McDonald's after school. I thought that uh, <laughs> okay, well, I thought they were seven, about a dozen, man. I thought he was playing it close as they were 17 and no. a half turning 18. No, no, but okay, no. But he didn't he move them into the crib. Okay, but he didn't move them to the house until they were 18, right? No, 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 they were for eighteen, man. He, that, yeah. he, was, he was the sugar daddy with with the children. I mean, those he parents are messed candy. up too. But yeah, he was okay. devious. I, was he doing he was like, it when he made Chocolate Factory? Because then I may have to reconsider. I would, he was doing. I, it I tell you what, bread. just Chocolate Factory. He was acting like Willy Wonka singing the Candy Man. That's what he was doing. <laughs> chocolate Factory. That yeah. damn Chocolate Factory. Oh. Well, what if I agree to this? If it's not a cut from the Chocolate Factory album, I'll I'll, I'll turn the radio. No, you don't have to justify your 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 you how, you, how you you parse out. They still playing them in the clubs. Um, I don't go to Keith. I'm too old to go to clubs, so you know I ain't well, been there. They still they still playing R. Kelly. Okay, all right. I, I the music I like for whatever reason. I Cosby Show comes on, and I just yeah, I can't. Especially do it. like, I mean, there was a lot of creepy things about that special, that documentary. But the the two where you see two of the actresses, the, thank uh, you, the one that played that the, cop and the one that played the, yeah. uh, the pregnant woman, it's like it killed me. Damn, like you watching, going, you know, there was other people, whether you know had non speaking parts who were on that set. Like, man, this guy just did this to me, and I got right. to sit here and he he and, and Kiki. That's just it's a hard watch, and so there's no justification for it. It's just how I parse it out. Yeah. Those those two scenes that you just mentioned Rough. is the re- thank you. That's the reason why I said, "Yo, I'm off the bandwagon. I can't do it. I refuse." As much as I like, let's do it again in a piece of the oh, action. I, I love exactly. Those I just got to remember in my head. I'm, I'm just I just can't do it because I don't know what he did to them exactly. after seeing those two girls and those two girls. I see the faces and I was like. Damn man, y'all don't y'all got me all messed up now, man. I, mean, I, I can't he, do it. I mean, he I mean, he did to I mean, Beverly that Johnson. Like Beverly Johnson was some uh some no name nobody. He did it to Beverly. Jo- he, he was she was fine. Crazy. Yeah. Beverly Johnson. He did to uh, what's that? I almost said uh oh my gosh, J- uh, Dickinson. Angie, like he did. He was he, yeah. he, he went after uh, Angie. Not, Angie uh, Dickinson. Janice, 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 Oh, Janice. Uh, yeah, Angie. I don't, he, he made, if he got a chance, he would have tried Angie too. But <laughs> he went after no names, uppercomings. That's how usually you know, the predator gets it. You, you say, "Listen, I can help you out with your career." Blah blah blah. Well, at the time when he met Beverly Johnson, she was Beverly Johnson. He there was nothing he could help her out with. The time he met uh, Janice Dickinson, she they were top models, and he still did it. So that's like that is. Balls on top of balls, man. When no one's when yeah, no, no one's talking and saying anything, and like we were saying earlier, since the sixties, you got the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousand. That's five decades, man. No one's saying nothing. Then, because of the me movement, now everybody comes out. And yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I've said this before, and I've said it on the podcast, and I've said it, you know, on the air, uh, on radio. Um, you, you got to put yourself in the position of these women. You know something happened. Your memory is real fuzzy. The moment you walk into the police station to tell your story to a detective and you name Bill Cosby and your story's kind of shaky because you you were you were roofie, mm-hmm. you know, 
you're, you're getting up, you're leaving, you're walking out. That's what happened to you're me on the, on the train when I went to go to the precinct. Oh, man, here we go. I had to stop, course. Here same, we same thing, go. Same thing. I understand. I understand now, Anthony. I understand. Yeah. I'm glad I brought it home for you. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 sorry I had to put you through it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, no. So, I mean, you know, his deal is gone and, and he's not going to, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Uh, hopefully, I mean, he'll probably die before they get that money. So, and that, that's really, really a shame that uh, he got away. He essentially, I mean, his reputation is ruined, but you know what? There's no, the, the only solace I think a lot of these women have was the fact that he got locked up by somebody for it. Yeah. And now he's out and, and has been exonerated uh, in a way by the legal system, not necessarily by the uh, court of public opinion, but certainly by the legal system. I, I read somewhere where he's actually thinking about going on the road and touring. Well, here's another so, side note with the geez. Me Too, because the Me Too goes after a lot of people, and, and rightfully so in some, guard, some regards. But, you know, they should also, you know, be uh, hitting up or, or checking in on, uh, not checking in on, or going after uh, Camille, because she, she, had she, she had to know that something wasn't right. Set aside the fact that he was just cheating like crazy. Let alone these criminal charges, and she's still there. She hasn't, you know, said, "I'm out of here. I, I can't take this. I'm gone." She didn't think about. It. She stayed there. I mean, Bill Gates' wife said, "I'm out." When she, when she, she's with mean, all his, you know, cheating, his, you know, weird looking ass. But she was, she was out. Uh, eventually, uh, I forgot her name, Mrs. Jordan, first Jordan. She left after tired of cheating. But Camille stayed there. She pulled the Hillary. She's like, "I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to sit there through all this." And I don't care what you guys say about me. That's because Camille is looking at a half a billion dollars worth of cash. Because she's saying yeah, she's going to outlive, outlive Bill. Outlive Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get that, that money several times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you somebody else who was, you know, down in the dumps and, and uh, in a similar fashion, not to the extent, but uh, is trying to make his own comeback. Uh, the governor copied to the governors, the uh, boss of all governors, the former Don. Uh, of New York, Eric's guy, one Andrew Cuomo. It's not the called a comeback, Derek. Anthony. It's not called a comeback when you ain't never left. There you, thank you, big brother. The Teflon Don has always been around. He's not going nowhere. You know, he just had to, you know, you know, let these uh, uh, charges, you know, you know, work his way through the legal system, and uh, you know, now that uh, you know he's not been vindicated uh, in his mind, he's been vindicated because. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard, you know, he's got this ad out there now. Have y'all seen the ad? He has no, a, I haven't seen the ad. Oh, no, 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 no. He's got an ad that comes on regular TV talking about, you know, and to sum it up, I beat the case, man. They ain't have nothing. It was a political witch hunt, he said. You know, I'm here, man. Yeah, man. You know, that was Albany at his best. The political hounds were on him, you know, but he's nothing happened. And I'm saying to myself, ah, he's a lawyer. Something happened. I just don't believe I, I think he just went up to the to the legal, the legal aspect of his behavior where he knew he couldn't uh, be prosecuted. But he's still is the Teflon Don and he hasn't gone nowhere. And I wouldn't be surprised if I seen him on the ballot for something real soon, man. He uh, he met he met with my man uh, about two weeks ago. Him and he had dinner in the city. Uh, so things are things are popping off for him, man. The, the Teflon Don is here to stay. He's here to stay. I get the impression he's greasing his skids for a run in 2024. Me too. He's going to come back with that you miss me yet type t- <laughs> t-shirt on. Uh, because, you know, uh, Hokul is, is you know, she's doing a solid job, but but I feel like she feels under duress. The fact, the specter of him, the, the, the fact that Cuomo's hanging over this whole thing is making her a little nervous. And, uh, you know. I remember. I, 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 saw the, I, saw the ending, I saw the ending of The Godfather. Michael said, I settled all family business. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, God. Uh, who approached you, Carlo? That's what you're going to go to Kathy Who approached you? Was it Bazzini or the Italian? Oh, God. Well, I, that's what's going on. He, he did his little tour yesterday at uh, one of the. Uh, Churches. At, at a black, yeah, black church. I forgot which. Flatbush. He was in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Okay. I, I, I see it right now. I see him right now. He's 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 kind of you know poking his poking his head out, but tested the water. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's gonna have the. the I heard a political guy forgot the guy's name. You know, I saw it all morning long. Say something pretty smart, which was this may be kind of rough 
to to welcome him back because they haven't had a chance to forget him yet. Like he hasn't been gone for more than right. what, th- three months. It was bef- before Christmas he was out, right? Yeah, it was up. Yeah, yeah was about three, four months. So give people a chance to to wish, like, yeah, I wish you know what's going on. He's he seems a little thirsty right now, and I think yeah, but you, but, the, but look at him in this regard. Uh, you know, substitute Andrew Cuomo's name for Trump's name. Trump has been out of office for over a year, and he's still, you know, according to the straw poll at CPAC, the number one contender. So Cuomo must be looking at that going, wait a second, after all that dude did, I didn't do nothing. You know, and I've been, been, you know, and, and as you said, Derek, in his mind, vindicated. He's put, he's, he's, yeah, he's floating man. the balloons out there now. Yeah, I mean, Problem, yeah. That, politics, the, yeah, the, I mean, political wisdom suggests that, yeah, give people a chance to forget you. But I think the new paradigm is, you know what? If they still like you, push the button. Yeah, but I, the difference is in the in the nutsole job of uh, President Orange. Once again, the 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 thing falls and falls into place. Fall in love versus uh, fall in line. They're so afraid of this of of Trump that they just no matter who's on his team. I mean, remember, Barr had a, an interview with Lester Holt. And he says some things, and right away, of course, you know, Trump comes out. Anytime somebody says, if somebody said to Trump, "You got a hair out of place," no, I don't. You're an idiot. He he has no. He's the thinnest no skin. No yeah, he, well, no, I think he's just stupid. He's not a filter. He's just a stupid man. A very dumb man. But he's he's so thin skinned so that they're so afraid that they don't they don't know how to get him out because McConnell, the turtle himself, been working behind the scenes to try to get the party away from him. Try to try to distance himself because they fear that you know he could. Oh, he's going. He's he's, he's definitely going to come in and, and pee in the punch bowl. Oh yeah, he, without a <laughs> doubt. So McConnell, who who's McConnell, is the ultimate roach. He survived many people. He, he survived many presidents and and other people. So he's trying to make sure that you know when it when it when it comes to bear that he doesn't have that big of a hold. He still has a big hold over the party, not as much as when he first left. Because the thing about Trump that allows you to, to that allows that to, to go away is that he always speaks, and the more he speaks, the more he reveals because he gives away the secrets. So it's like he always says the out, he always says the inside thing out loud. So people go, "Oh, okay, fine, I know what you really think," and then eventually that'll come out to, to bite him in the ass. And yeah, well, Mark, we'll eventually he going to be doing some time because they have really turned the heat up on him uh, with all these papers that's been coming out. Oh, they're about to tackle his ass. Well, they're going to get him. I would like to think that's the case, but politicians will never put another politician in jail like that. They, they, because because what, remember what we said about the uh, about the, the Cosby case, legally, he, sh- he he shouldn't be in jail. Morally, he should be. Well, legally, I believe, or, or morally, I believe, and legally, I believe Trump should be in jail. But here comes the other part. The politicians are politicians. They're so afraid of taking a chance or taking a stand that the Democrats don't want to push too hard for fear of backlash from the Republicans saying, okay, fine, you're going to push me on this, then I'm going to push you on that. And they don't understand the simple fact that if this is the right thing to do, what what, what uh, Mookie say, what uh, uh, the mayor say to Mookie, always do the right thing, do the right thing. So if the, if the right thing to do is to pursue this because it was a criminal charge, to pursue this because it's a criminal charge, and don't worry about what somebody might be going to do to you if you're going to do this, just do the right thing, and then you worry about the other part later and stand on, on the side of correctness and morality, but they're so afraid politicians in general, and in particular, the Democrats are so afraid of offending. I don't know what that they just, somebody, the Republicans say, Oh, we're going to do this. And they just cower. Just do the right thing. Let, let, let me, let me, let me, let me, thank you for bringing that up. Let me, let me just say this in the most tactful way I can say it to the Democrats who are, as Mark described, not really sure if they should push forward. Let me ask, stop acting like little bitches. <laughs> no Republicans are going to vote for you anyway. You're not losing no votes right. from a Republican. You're not going to get them. So what you need to do is go hard as a mug and, and lock his monkey ass up and get the people that was going to vote for you on board. That's what you do. That's it. 
Because you know what? All the, the insurrectionists, the people who are all about authoritarianism, the people who are all about being traitors to this country, they're not your people anyhow. That's it, that, Anthony. It's, it's a 66 to 33% people who favor what you're all about anyway. That 33% is very, very loud. They seem like they're bigger, but they're like the Wizard of Oz. When you pull back that curtain, ain't nobody there. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, I, I agree. But they, but they, they, like I said, they don't act that way. They, for whatever reason, they just, if they were to go and say, listen, this was a crime, because I believe it was a crime, just besides, besides what Barr said, you know, he said, you know, I think it was what he he's did. Trying was, to rehab yeah, his own bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And he's another, whatever, I'm not going to get to that little dough boy. But despite what he said, I believe it was a crime. The speeches leading up to and literally the day of and all the the red, that was a crime. So just pursue it as a crime and stop worrying about the political fallout. Because my brother just said, if you go hard and you say, "Listen, I believe this is a crime. I'm not. I'm not. I know they're going to take it this one way, but it's not a political. This was a crime, and and this we need to pursue it as a crime. So make sure it never happens again. Then once again, the Republicans will fall in line and they're going to go for their candidate. Remember, we always talk about the Democrats need to fall in love. So if you fall in love because somebody is pursuing a crime or pursuing something that they truly believe in, you will come out. If the Democrats don't, they sitting on their hands, but then those young people say, man, y'all guys ain't doing anything. Y'all let that happen, and, and they're not going to show. Once again, fall in love. You, they'll fall in love with a, a, a cause. They'll do that for anything, especially the young people. And the hardcore Democrats, the you know uh, die-in-the-wool ones, are going to be there anyway. You need to get the ones who are on their phones and on their Twitters looking at you saying, what are you going to do next? You know, the ALC. Right. That's, and, and that's how you get them. Yeah. That's exactly how you get them. It, it, that, what they keep asking you to do is what I just said. Stop acting like little bitches and go hard and you'll win by a landslide. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Um, before we go, there's, there's, there's some breaking news that just came across the wire, our wire service. I went to the newsroom oh, wow. and checked. Uh, and apparently... Uh, as gambling has become legal in a lot more places in the country, one NFL player decided to uh, math. bet something he knew. <laughs> NFL games. Calvin Ridley, star wide receiver, uh, the, the, the next guy up uh, in Atlanta, has been suspended for the upcoming year. I guess he's been suspended indefinitely as they do the investigation for gambling, uh, betting on NFL games. Uh, Calvin Ridley bet about fifteen hundred dollars and lost about eleven point two million dollars in salary, <laughs> uh, which shows that clearly he's not he's not good at math at all. Mm-hmm. So he was not a math major. Horrible. Um, so yeah, he's 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 out. But it it starts to open up another can of worms. This is the second time we've heard, you know, manipulation of games. Uh, first, we heard it from Brian Flores where he was told by the owner of his team to lose games for draft picks. Then we heard it uh, repeated by Hugh Hugh Jackson, former coach of the Cleveland Browns, uh, that he was told in in no uncertain terms that we needed to lose games in order to get draft picks. And now we're hearing a player, and again, a star wide receiver was betting on games. And see, to me, when you say a star wide receiver is betting on games, I'm thinking all those... Did he have a lot of drops last year? Did he <laughs> drop touchdowns? Was he dropping touchdowns? Was he saying, oh, I almost, ah, oh, damn, you know, nice throw, I couldn't get it. You know, trying to shape his bet or trying to fix his parlay. I don't know. It sounds crazy to me. What y'all, what y'all, what y'all well, he's probably going to, Pete Rose and say he was betting on himself to win, but we can't mm-hmm. bet, you can't bet, period. That's the simple answer. You can't bet. Right. I, w- I would think after Pete Rose, who, what they call him, Johnny Hustle or Mr. Hustle. Charlie Hustle. With, Charlie, Charlie Hustle. Hustle. Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle. And he's still bitching because he ain't in the Hall of Fame, which, I mean, you talk about this man talent, he should be. But you would think when you see that they they went that hard at him, you don't stand a chance. If you're going to bet on your sport, give it to your cousin. Let your cousin bet for you. But you can't do it yourself, man. It's ridiculous. So now this guy is sitting around. The family pissed off. The baby mamas are pissed off. He can't make it rain at Magic City. Everybody's in an uproar because this guy could not take his fifteen hundred and give it to little man man to place his bet. <laughs> he gonna you know, use his own name and didn't wear a mask. 
Oh, okay, you gonna pay? Okay, cool. We'll do it for you, sir. Ridiculous. Just ridiculous, man. Yeah, the the integrity of the game is what he 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 has messed up. Because when people start looking at the games and looking at, as you say, wide receivers or tight ends and these guys are dropping simple passes, people are gonna start thinking, yo, maybe he's betting on the game too. Sure. You know, right? That's that's the way the thinking going, you know. He he's wide open, he dropped the goddamn ball. How he do that? They paying him all this money. It's sad. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're 100% right, Keith. I mean, you know, now we all, I mean, you know, we, we, three of us watch football on a regular basis. You know, we, <laughs> we, 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 we're junkies. And now I'm watching and I'm saying to myself, you know, it, the integrity of the game is definitely taking a shot behind this. I mean, it's not the first time there's been some gambling allegations in football. Uh, Hall of Famer Paul Horning, Packer great, former Packer great. Yeah. Uh, Paul Horning was, I think, uh, suspended for a period of time for something similar, betting on something or other. Football has been a little bit more lenient than baseball, Derek. Uh, baseball, uh, the the rule, you know, they have the big sign of, of, above the every clubhouse door about gambling, and it is the death penalty for anybody to gamble uh, who plays baseball. This football thing, I think, though, is kind of it's, it's, it's a little new and. They got him. I remember, like last year, he 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 left the game after five. He left. He stopped playing after five games, saying he had some personal mental issues to work out. Yeah, and now I was thinking, at first I thought it was mental issues. Now I'm thinking maybe his bookie was looking for him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he had to disappear for a little while, you know, because uh, Rocco Anunzio was looking for him. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it just to me, I. I'm a little stunned by it because it it, it does make you think of are, are, are these guys actually you know manipulating the games and, and because gambling now is is simply a matter of, of hitting a couple of buttons on your cell phone everybody can gamble before you had to go to Vegas to place bets or you had to have a bookie now anybody in the states that allow online gambling can bet by simply clicking their phone. Yeah, yeah. You're, right, you're right about that. I was looking at his stats right now because uh, he came in the league at 2018, 16 games, 64 receptions. 2019, 13 games, 63 receptions. 2020, 15 games, 90 receptions. That was his big year. And last year, he only had five games, 31 receptions, and then suddenly he kind of walked away from mm. football. And it was probably – I know we're going to speculate, but when you do something stupid, you allow it to speculate. Exactly. It was probably a type of situation where, you know, he needed to – have some things go right real quick. So either way you do that, you drop some things. So yeah, it's like, and, and if it's all wrong, then it, when you do something like that, it would take, you would have to have like video evidence for us to go believe otherwise, because when you're willing to do that, then you're willing to lie about doing that. So I, I just think he's, he's done in the NFL. He could maybe, well, he's done in the NFL. There's it's no, over. you can't go, you can't go to CF because if you start gambling, that's the, that's Cardinals saying you could be, and we've seen this, you could be a rapist, you could be a murderer, you could be a drug addict out the wazoo, but you... White beater? White, girlfriend beater? You can't gamble. Well, yeah, you can't. That's the... Especially now because so much money in these leagues is coming from right. gambling. It's subsidizing cities. Yeah. You know, you know, so you can't do that. You can do everything else. Hey, more. I guess he'd be playing for the replacements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that's funny. Uh, before we go, last thing, uh, Coach Mike Shashevsky. Can y'all spell it? I don't know. Coach, Coach K. K. Coach yeah. K. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mike Shashevsky played his last game. He didn't play. He was he coached his last game at Duke after I believe it was 42 years of, of coaching. 1980. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, 1980. So yeah, it's it's 42 years of, of coaching uh, the Duke men's basketball team, and um, just real quick, your thoughts on Coach K, Mark? Well, for years, I mean, he came in the 80, and I thought he was. I mean, he was there when I when I was in school. Yeah, so I mean, so, those yeah. early teams, and he won relatively quickly. Uh, I mean, because that program, nobody, nobody cared about Duke anything other than you know, the, being a, an academic school. And he won relatively quickly with pedestrian players, quite frankly. So for a while, he, his biggest thing was he couldn't get over the hump. And then Grant Hale and those boys came on and he got over the hump. So I, I he's one of those guys that I, mean, I, I, I rooted more for Carolina um, than Duke. 
just because his player seems so pristine. And not like Duke, not like Carolina players were in the mud, but for whatever reason, just Leitner makes it makes it hard to root for Duke. Leitner, Hurley, <laughs> and those guys. Leitner and, and Hurley, Bobby, Bobby, Hurley. Too, uh, the, the, the Bobby Hurley and the kid that plays for uh, the Milwaukee Bucks now. Uh, uh, oh, 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 Grayson, Grayson Allen. Allen. Those hurt kind of players make it hard to root for Duke. I mean, obviously, it, you can root for uh, a Grand Hill and uh, uh, Jason Tatum, Tatum, Jason Tatum, and. And tons of other plays, but it's amazing. Of all the plays he's had, I mean, I, I, Jay Jay, uh, uh, I like the, I like I like Billis. I love Billis. I think he's best. Johnny Dawkins, uh, Tommy Amaker. Yeah, I, yeah, I like. You know, he's had a bunch of players that you can root for, but two guys in particular. One guy makes you ho- hate forty-two years of his coaching. <laughs> that how bad <laughs> that one guy, or at least how perceived bad that one guy was. Because on the document, I hate Christian Leitner. Right. What you thought he was, he wasn't, and it was kind of crazy. Like, oh, this—he's not that guy. He's, you know, something else. But um, I, I guess I don't have any like hate for him because, from the standpoint of like, he was a bad guy. I just hated the fact that they just seemed to get—I don't know—like a pass. Hmm. Derek, uh, Coach K. I appreciate everything uh, that he brought to the game of basketball. Um, I didn't really hate Kristen Leitner. Um, wow. I thought I, I didn't, man. Um, the guy played hard. You know, I played with guys like him. And the guy was skilled, and he let you know, you know, at that college level, he, he was that guy. You got to come no, see he him. Was. He was a and he, in college. And you had – and you had to find a way to beat him because he was definitely going to win, you know. So um, I, I watched the game uh, <laughs> Saturday night, which they took that out. Um, and Carolina, of all people, um, came in uh, with uh, – what's my man? Hubert Davis is the coach, the African-American that's right. coach now. Who right. said that's right, Keith? That's, that's me. That's me. North they Carolina. Came, they came in there and, and tightened him up. And I, I let Keith talk about the other part that happened at the game. But I appreciate what he did. Um, he played the game hard. Um, he once you got he got a seat at the table. He took over the table. You wasn't getting him out of the table. He took over the table. And, and I had watched a couple of uh, documentaries about other coaches about Coach uh, Smith, and he said that um, you know yeah, that you know there yeah. was there was rules for the rest of the coaches, and then there was rules for Dean, and he yep. took exception to that. And he's running a good, clean program here. And you know the way they went at it, I really appreciated. And then when the guy crossed over to the Olympics with Kobe and those guys, he gets big props for me, man. Uh, yeah. Good job, man. Enjoy your retirement, my man. I have one, you know, I'm not going to talk about Keith's point, but I have an issue with him not recommending Tommy Amaker for that job. Yeah. Right. That's my issue. And Tommy Amaker is experienced. He was interested in the job. The school wanted, you know, the school wanted Tommy but a part of his uh, condition of retirement, he still he wanted to be able to uh, name his replacement. Names. Yeah, and I, I I had an issue with that. But other than that, man, for what he did for basketball, it was good money. Hmm. Keith, um, Coach Case, you know he was good. But I, I I'm, I'm a Carolina guy, straight up, man. So we have no love for Duke. That's just me. Um, but as in the NBA stands, he was great for the, the NBA players and some of the Duke players that came out of there. But what struck me uh, Saturday night was the loss. You know, they came up in uh, in the Dean Dome and, and they beat North Carolina ass like it was all right, you know. So North Carolina returned the favor, and, you know, whipped their ass and, and, and Duke. But at the end of the game, there were two coaches that refused to uh, shake the hands of uh, Hubert Davis. You know, one one shook and looked off, another one refused. And he said the reason he didn't shake Hubert David's hand because he didn't shake his hand at the beginning of the game. And it comes out that Hubert Davis wasn't even out there at the beginning of the game to shake his hand. He showed he shaked his hand with the coach K. But it just shows what has happened to the sportsmanship of basketball. You know, um, if it's a personal thing. It, 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 it's, it's, you know, this is basketball. You're supposed to be showing these young men, you know, in loss or whatever, you know, it's a handshake and it's mutual. And this is this is a trend that has been going on for quite a bit from Jawan Howard to even mm-hmm. Patrick Ewan speaking about 
uh, the you know, going down the line, shaking hands. Well, I understand why Patrick Ewing doesn't want to do it because his team was like Owen. Yeah, they ain't win whatever. again. <laughs> they ain't win again. So this he's year. not happy to shake hands. But to take that out of the game, I think it's wrong because it sends a wrong message to the kids, you know, sportsmanship. You know, win or lose, you know, good game guys and keep. We, even when we were growing up as kids, we did this. And I don't I don't know um why now all of a sudden it's a problem. You know, you win or lose, you know, it's still part of the game. Big I know Derek has something to say. Go yeah, ahead, Big bro. You, you you're missing the point, man. You know, um the sportsmanship, um the money that's involved going to the next level is not the money that was involved, you know, 10 years ago. It's just big bucks. And the the tempers, the 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 hatred, you know, they have for each pressure, other, the pressure. pressure. When you see and I'll speak to the Cameron crazies. I'm at home watching on TV and I'm excited when they got the blue and white basketballs on their head, jumping up and down, <laughs> making that noise, it's it's like yo, you you don't even know the 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 other players personally, but because of this intense rivalry that has been going on prior to you getting there, and you hearing about it the minute you get on campus, I don't care if you don't win all any games this year, but you got to beat Duke. I don't care if you win any games, but you got to beat North Carolina. You got to beat Ohio State. You got to beat Michigan. And that what it gets you riled up. And then when you look and you listen to some of the things that those adult fans say in those seats about the opposing team, I can't shake your hand when this is over. It's just not going to happen because of all that pressure and buildup. And now, you know, we come to the end of the game and, say, you know, we took a – they had 80 former players there, Keith. <laughs> watch Coach K. K. Exactly. <laughs> I'm surprised Coach K shook hands. You got <laughs> Coach K went in that locker room and did a Denzel Washington. You think you gonna do this to me? <laughs> me in front of my former players in my family? Man, you ain't graduating. Shoot program for you. Oh, sure it was, man. <laughs> if you saw the beginning. They had 80 former players. They had these nice T-shirts. And Coach K ran down the, you know, walked down the middle, slapping high five like it was the player's introduction. <laughs> and he got his woman in the stand and the grandkids. And you lose. They could have lost to Clemson. They could have lost to Virginia. They could have even lost to Wake Floors. But Chapel Hill, seven miles away, them fools. And remember, Chapel Hill is the public school and Duke is the private. That was major. That was a major win for Hubert. So I can understand him not shaking hands. I get it. Yeah, I mean, you know, to, to kudos to all your points. Uh, I, my final thoughts on it was, you know, yeah, Coach K has certainly made an impact on the game. NBA players certainly respected him. Um to Mark's point, yes, he did not get – he got all these squeaky clean guys. He didn't really – I mean, if you look at his, the NBA players that he sent to the league, he didn't really send any studs to the league. I mean, he sent solid players first to the league. First Grand Hill. Yeah, first Grand, Grand Hill was probably the first potential superstar he ever had. Uh, and unfortunately, we talked about Grand Hill's injury, um, you know, curtailing his career. But that was pretty much it. I mean, he didn't really have any studs versus if you look at the Carolina roster – of players, um, it's it's just as stupid. I mean, it's just a who's who of superstars in terms and, and top. If you look at the top seventy-five, you'll find a bunch of Carolina players oh, in the yeah, top yeah. seventy-five NBA mm-hmm. top seventy-five. Oh. So um, yeah, that it, that's a big big difference, and the rivalry is 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 something to behold. And uh, you know, as I said, I I, I I like the way Coach K. He never he was never involved in any scandal. No. He certainly came, like you said, Derek, the new kid on the block, and he challenged Dean Smith yeah. uh, and, and and the Dean Smith rules. And, you know, he established Duke as, as one of the premier programs in the country. Duke basketball is one of the premier programs in the country. Um, hopefully it'll, it'll maintain. I agree with you about Tommy Amaker, uh, DP, yeah. that Tommy should have gotten a job. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, you but, know, he's a, he's a But maybe sometimes you don't, want to the, you don't want to be the guy who follows the guy. You, you don't, don't want to be the, be the guy who follows. I, I agree. I think I think if Duke wanted him, he'll certainly, because whoever comes in next, yeah, they don't get a job. They only got uh, a year uh, or the two. The coach who followed uh, Dean Smith was who? Anybody name him? Roy Williams. Uh, exactly, right. Yeah. No, well, actually, Williams. no, no. 
It wasn't Roy. It was uh, wasn't Roy. Was it Dorothy? Was a, no, was it Dorothy? It was Dorothy, Dorothy was the second after that. It was another guy. You don't. Nobody knows his name. The older, the older guy. The older yeah, guy got the older guy. Out. Then it was older, Dorothy. Is, then it was right. Roy. So right. that. So if you you well, want to be guy. Call it. There was an older oh, guy who sat on the bench. Yeah, time, he had like a assistant. Yeah, long time yes. assistant. Yeah. yeah, assistant coach. Yeah, I forget his name. Exactly. Exactly, exactly right. So if you're so if you're amateur. You let the I mean, let's let this kid takes off, but you know if he doesn't and he stumbles out the block, then you come down as truly the savior of a Duke program. I mean that's sort of the thing, but right. I mean it's rare that the the guy who follows the guy is the guy. It's I mean it happens on occasion, but not usually in sports. I mean Seifert got a Super Bowl following Walsh, but that's a rarity. Yeah, no, it's true. So as I said, I mean uh, good luck to. Uh, Coach K in his retirement and as a former Virginia yeah, alum, right. I just say F Chapel Hill and F. I don't give a damn about either one of y'all. You guys have some good teams with your Yo. boy Ralph Sampson down there. Yeah, gotta keep it keep it hundred. You know, now listen, if you have not subscribed to Power to the People, make sure you do. Anywhere you get your podcast, you can get us. Uh, just you know, log in and sign on to Power to the People. You can get us on Alexa. Ask Alexa to play Power to the People. You can find us on Facebook, on social media. You can go Facebook page, Power to the People. Hit the action button and play Power to the People on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Power to the Peeps, P-O-W-E-L-L. They're coming for me. P-O-W-E-L-L, the number two, the letters D-A-P-E-E-P-S, Power to the Peeps on Twitter. Um, and you can find us all on Instagram. But you know where else you can find us? You can find us on your same back channel next week at the same time. See you all then. Peace. Peace. Peace.